When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth to protect my cousin. But my pod got knocked off course, and by the time I got here, my cousin had already grown up and become Superman. And so I hid my powers, until recently when an accident forced me to reveal myself to the world. To most people, I'm an assistant at CatCo Worldwide Media. But in secret, I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good midday, good wherever in space and time or on whatever crisis on infinite multiple space earths or unspace earths or wherever you might be. (laughs) This is another episode of Discussing Who. We are on episode number 24, one away from 25, and we are going to be talking about Well, Supergirl, but a little bit more than Supergirl tonight. And as always, I am Kyle Jones, and joining me tonight again is Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, Cal. How's it going? Uh, Glad to be on for another episode, man. We are one away from 25, almost a quarter of 50. Well, (laughs) well, not quarter of 50, but you get my point. Quarter century. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I have a a friend named John. He's always say. Man, you were you're a quarter of a century old. That's you know a long time ago when we used to fuss about age, but now we're all old, so we don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, I've learned one thing, which is time passes by a lot quicker when you get older than it did when you got younger. This has nothing to do with Tardises or Doctor Who. This is uh, <laughs> real. Uh, time it's just does life. Go, yeah, it's life. <laughs> And life tonight actually comes from someone who gave some feedback on our Facebook page, which, of course, is facebook.com backslash discussing who. She had listened to our uh, second episode, so way back at the very beginning when we were talking about CBS and Supergirl uh, coming to CBS, and that resulted in some more questions. So tonight's episode is actually going to be a feedback episode answering some of the questions about not necessarily Supergirl, but Supergirl and uh, females and the comics or TV. So um, that's our topic tonight. And Heather, thank you for making your comments. Thanks for listening. And I hope that we're able to answer some of your questions. We kind of brushed on this a little when we had our discussion about different uh, genders, you know, uh, races and stuff and characters. But it'd be cool to dive deeper into this. Also, did you see the new Ghost in the Shell trailer that came out? No, and actually, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. And, you know, I can hear people, whenever I ask what I am about to ask, say, how can you be a geek? How can you be a sci-fi fan (laughs) and ask this question? What is Ghost in the Shell? I mean, I've heard about it, but what is it? 
in oh see i'm gonna be the one in trouble when i try to explain it it's a japanese anime about a futuristic futuristic society where there's uh androids and that's the basic premise but i don't i'm not a big fan of well i don't know it well i've seen a few episodes i've never seen the movie it was a move a couple of movies as well as a show uh a series i've seen a few episodes but even me watching that i was a little confused because i never saw the movie itself so i'm even a novice to it myself but it's basically about this girl that's a mech uh android or whatever they call it and she's trying to figure out what happened to her and there's a big supply to all of that and again i don't i'm not a huge person into it but that's just the basics all right so it sounds a little bit like westworld in a way don't spoil it for me i haven't seen westworld okay all right well Well, i will tell you that westworld so far is not game of thrones but but it 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 has possible possibility and uh it has potential yeah i heard it's, it's like a i think the same dude who wrote jurassic park wrote it and it is basically like a theme park where a Western type theme park, uh, something or another. Everything is as it seems type of story. Uh, I would love to watch it. I just haven't dove into it yet, but anxious to get into it. All right. Well, I'll tell you this. And this is this is you find this out in the first episode and it's nothing. I don't think that would be spoilers. But basically the idea is, yes, it is a theme park. And the visitors who come in on the train are people who have paid an exorbitant amount of money to go and have an adventure in the Wild West town. And the closer in town you are, the safer it is, the further outside of town you get, the more unsafe it is. And you basically get to choose your own poison or choose your own passion however you want to choose it. It's you, you make of it what you wish. Yeah, I know I'm behind and it sounds like an excellent premise that I can't wait to dive into when I have a little more time to catch up on my TV shows. But just just to ping back to the uh, the uh, Ghost in the Shell trailer, uh, it's so funny. We were talking about gender and race and all this stuff and we recently again hit it with Dr. Strange discussion. Man, just seeing what's the Scarlett Johansson p- playing uh, the main character of Ghost in the Shell, you know, to me, and this happens a lot, to me, she pulls off the look of that character. But, you know, I still feel the pain of people who know this is a Japanese based show and that should be a, a Japanese character. Uh, and we have this uh, Caucasian woman portraying her still kind of hard. But I, I think she's doing a good job from what I've seen from the trailer. And I can't wait to see more. And, and you know, again, it's that situation where you feel the pain of this this different race playing uh, somebody who should be totally different. But again, it's kind of the trap trappings of Hollywood and American films, I guess I will say. All right. Well, let me let me pose this possibility to you. And. First, let me preface my possibility by saying, A, I agree with everything you just said, but B, could it be possible that the story in some degree has to be manufactured or changed based on the audience for which it is intended? And let me give you an example. There was a version of an X-Men cartoon that was made for Japanese, I believe it was Japanese audiences that had a complete revision 
of the entire X-Men story. I mean, it was the characters. Yeah, yeah. But you know I, what I'm saying? I, I, they made yeah, that their own. Yeah, that was popular, too. They did it with a lot of X-Men stories. I think they, they did it with, um, what am I thinking of? It's, but it's been a, a Transformers. They did a Japanese version of Transformers. But it's been like a few things they've taken over there and done kind of the same thing, put the Japanese twist on it. But by the same token, it's always you can't take it's hard to take something that is uh native to that other environment and bring it over here and try to make an american see example uh dragon ball z movie that was made a few well right. dragon ball movie they made a few years ago they brought it here total whitewash which i guess the sands are aliens so i don't know if that's really whitewashing it but still uh <laughs> and and i mean just take a movie like this so core to japanese culture like the forbidden kingdom you remember when that movie came out a couple of years ago right. with uh, jackie chan and jet lee Right. Um, it just think if you tried to take something like that and put, you know, Caucasian uh, or any type of American in that role, it would just seem funny. And I don't know if this it will will have that same type of feel, but kind of I think since it's in the future and it's so out there already, maybe it's it's it will have a different type of opinion or uh, people have top different type of opinion on it when it's actually released. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, so, this is very interesting. So any <laughs> of you who are listening who are diehard Ghost in the Shell fans who have your own opinions, you know, contact us on Facebook. We'd like to hear from you. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. I'll, I'll echo with what Lee said last episode about uh, the change of the Ancient One is – None yeah. of us are Asian or of Asian descent. So, <laughs> so therefore, feel- you know, we don't quite have that same, uh, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. So yeah. if you if you do think it matters, please let us know. And we'll be glad to, uh, you know, comment on it and possibly play it on one of the future episodes. Yeah, and and actually, I get my brother, uh, who's also my co-host on the Tech Petition podcast, to record something. He's huge in anime, and he he knows all about this character, and maybe he can give us some insight that we're not seeing. All right, well, I'll give you one better. Invite him on for a uh, discussion, and uh, that would be that would be fun, and that would because uh, I would like to just based on the information you gave a few minutes ago, wouldn't mind hearing more about it. Awesome. Back to what's going on tonight. We don't really have any news. We looked up what the news was, and there really wasn't much news other than class is still going in session full force in the UK. And we are one week, or actually less one week away, because right now this is in mid-November. This is November, I believe, the 13th of 2016, which is one week away when we're recording to the BBC America airing of Power of the Daleks. And I am excited. I still have not watched the Moonbase uh, episodes that came out. I have to go back and watch those, but I'm very anxious to see both. And yeah, it's it's good to get another story that has been lost in time. <laughs> It'd be great to see. Well, I know it I'm going to sound like, like you. I can't wait. Well, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the ability to sit there and even if it's animated, see the companions interact with the doctor immediately after a regeneration is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and and, and not to mention the fact that how we're actually getting to see this, you know, we're filling in the pieces and, you know, people actually just recording this 
on a cassette tape from their home, you know, is the only record we have that makes it pretty special to even have anything. So that's pretty much all of the news that I think either one of us has. So let's get right into some Supergirl. So let's go and talk just briefly about Kara Zor-El as a character. And tell me what you remember about Supergirl, just just off the top of your head. Uh, well, basically, she is the, the very basic 1,000-foot uh, view. Is, uh, she's Superman's cousin who um, actually uh, – I'm going to get this part wrong – I don't know. See, I'm getting the show and what you told me mixed up. She actually left for Earth before he did. Well, around the same. Well, no. Bef- no, you're right. About the same time. Before he did or about the same time. And something caused her to get there way late. And when she actually got there, Superman was grown and she was like still a kid or younger. I don't know if that's the comic or the show. That's, that, you <laughs> that's, know, that's pretty much that's, universal between the comic and the um you know, the TV show. And interestingly enough, if you go back and you look at our second episode, you know, the episode was entitled or titled, not entitled, but titled Supergirl on CBS. And since that time, CBS has canceled it and it's moved to the CW. So I know, you know, we've not seen all of the CW episodes. So before we get into really Supergirl, we're not going to actually talk per se about anything that's happened since it's moved to the CW. But I want to ask you a question. What do you think about the show itself moving from CBS to the CW? Good, bad, indifferent? What do you think? Um, I don't know if it, you, you said cancellation er, earlier. I don't know if it's just cancellation or they just outright bought the show from them or bought rights to the, the show from uh the WB um, uh, CW slash WB from from CBS. But ultimately, it seems like a good thing seeing that the CW has built a few shows around superheroes or DC superheroes that have kind of meld together into uh, a very unique channel, which you don't see much these days. So so that seems like a good fit for the show. So ultimately, I don't think it's bad, but I don't I, again, I haven't seen any of this current season. So I don't know if the move from L.A. to Vancouver left some of the cast by the wayside. I would be interested in knowing that uh Seeing okay. as you you've seen some, all right. Episodes. Well, I'll answer that, and I'll tell you some of the things that I've noticed. Some, and I've not noticed anything except one thing that I would consider to be bad. The Callista Flockhart's character is more of a recurring special guest star character because of moving from location to location. You know, she's still mm-hmm. involved, but the Cat Grant character basically is more of a special guest appearance by type character this year. Oh, so she's not like there all the time. She's like not she there. And, and, and they did it in storyline. So, you know, I give them credit. They wrote it in storyline so that they there is an explanation as to why she's not there. So, so that I like. And um, for the most part, the sets look the same. The DEO, uh, where, you know, Supergirl works, her... Uh, her set or that set looks a little bit different or actually a lot different, but huh. everyone else is still there. So good. You good. know, for, for the most part, I can't tell any 
difference other than the stories, some of which I think are a little more adult oriented, not not really extremely a little bit more than you would get away with on CBS at 7 p.m. Like, for instance, they I kind of want to see it more now. (laughs) Well, there is a character that they introduced on there called I think her name is Maggie Sawyer is the is the name. She's a detective on the well, she's in the Metropolis Police Department on this. But on this, uh, I mean, on in the comics, but on this, you know, of course, she's at the city where Supergirl is National City, but she is a lesbian. And I don't consider think that you would have had perhaps that at 7 uh, p.m. on Monday evening on CBS where you do on the CW? Well, I mean, it's it's a possibility, but I don't know. Um, again, like other sh- I think there's another show. Uh, what is it? The the um, oh, I can't remember the name. The Time Show. <laughs> I can't remember the name. What's the name of the Time Superhero Show that's on uh, uh, the CW? Uh, on the oh 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 the I can't uh, remember uh, 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 White Canary Legends of Tomorrow Legends, Legends of Tomorrow, Tomorrow. Yes. I, yeah yeah but yeah 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 the White Canary I think she they don't just out come out right and say it but I think that character may be but you know they don't I, I don't know it would be weird if they were just showing it which again on the CW they may have a little more freedom to uh to be more uh, open with that type of thing. And I think it's fine for that channel. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I agree that, you know, that was my whole point is the, there is, and I, and this is, um, this is not necessarily a spoiler or anything. Cause I won't tell you who, but uh Supergirl walked in on two people in a broom closet in the last episode. So, um, Oh wow. <laughs> so, so again, you know, th- th- they're taking a little bit more liberties, which um, for the show itself, I think it just, it's not as generic cookie cutter type. Uh, it's more real world a little bit. Whereas the it, it had there was a little bit of saccharin, you know, too sweet almost in the CBS version that I didn't even really notice to until I started watching the little bit of dif- differences. Now that now that it's on the CW. So I'm curious af- after you watch it if it's just in my head or if you're seeing that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to be, for it to be a little more grittier as well, because things I didn't like about the first season was really um, uh, Hank, uh, what's the last name? Henshaw. Um, Hank Henshaw. He kind of, I didn't really believe him as a character. He's like the only one I couldn't really, he, he just wasn't very convincing to me as a character in the show. I don't know if you could play, you well, could make well, a play I'll tell on you the why I think you, Go ahead. You, I'll tell you why I think you didn't think he was convincing. The the character of Hank Henshaw is a, another character within the DC Superman story. He was not an alter ego for the Martian Manhunter. And so I think you took this name that everyone associated. So you basically took two characters and kind of rubbed them together a little bit. And I think that's why you didn't get that feeling that you're referring to of of that character. And it could be the actor. You know, I, yeah. I don't feel the, uh, the Manhunter one way or the other. You know, it's just like, well, he's there. It's not like, oh, cool, it's Martian Manhunter. Well, and, and it's so funny because you could actually write off his bat acting, in my opinion, to him being an alien trying to play a human. <laughs> so, True. It's just, it's, just, it's just weird. 
All right. Well, oh, I do want to, before we move on to the character and the questions, I do want to mention one thing. I don't remember which episode it was, but at one point there was a scene where you had the president uh, of the United States come on. The president was a woman in this uh, reality. Awesome. And the president was none other than Linda Carter. Really? And I, know, and I know you know who Linda Carter is. Oh, most definitely, most okay. definitely. That's awesome. I know. I know you were uh, a Gideon's schoolgirl. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely was. <laughs> Uh, I mean, and there was a scene uh, where Supergirl is fighting this alien and she's engulfed in flames that was actually because it was an alien and, and, you know, put had her suit on fire and to extinguish the flame. And and they did everything but the music. She started spinning around real fast. And I was like, okay, that is, like, really, really cool. Because you know where the spinning thing comes from, right? That's how she turns into Super uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. She, yeah. like, spins. Yeah. That, that, and at the end, there was a comment that the president makes to Carr, and I'll let you hear that yourself and watch it. But there was a comment that she made to Kara that was like, okay, that's really cool. But I won't, I won't divulge for anyone who hasn't seen it, what that comment was, but it was a really cool comment. Yeah. I mean, and just to bank on that, I always think it's awesome when they bring any of the old actors that played these characters in, in, you know, different iterations onto a show and, and guest star. They've done it with Dean Kane a few times. And then uh, I think someone, was it the old Supergirl yeah, from the from, movie? From, they brought from the 1980s movie playing yeah. their mother, which is, she was back on there this uh, season as well. Yeah. So I think it's always cool when they do things like that. And I, and, and I'm always thumbs up about that. Uh, also, do you think there, there is a possibility of a Wonder Woman show on the CW as well? I don't know. I think you've got a better. Well, well, well let me say this. I don't think you have the possibility of a Wonder Woman show simply because you if Gal Gadot, Gadot, however you pronounce her name, it is as successful as I hope and think that she will be. I don't think they're going to want to confuse, even though they have no problem confusing the two versions of Flash. You know, I don't think they're going to try to confuse the two versions of Wonder Woman. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing Donna Troy in some fashion, but, you know, I don't know if you'll have another Wonder Woman. What you could do is have something called Amazon, where it talks about... Uh, you know how Hippolyta was the yeah. queen, or something like that. That would be interesting, like like a Smallville version of right, Wonder Woman, <laughs> right? Like a younger Diana growing up kind of thing. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, that might be interesting because you could uh, add in all the mythology and uh, all of that stuff into it. Yeah, that would be actually quite cool. I can I can see I can actually see a show like that being on something like HBO, like a gritty you Ooh, know that would uh, be kinda cool. thing like that. That that would be awesome. <laughs> All right, so let's get back uh, to Supergirl. So I want to talk about before we get into the questions again. I want to talk one brief moment about. I know we mentioned her the last time, but tell me. If I were to ask you the difference between 
Kara Zor-El and Kara Zor-El, what would you tell me? I would tell you I have no clue. <laughs> All right. If I were so, to um, say one of those was created in 1958 and one Kara Zor-El was created in 1976, would one letter make the difference? I'm guessing so, but <laughs> All it, right. it, it, it seems like I found that a few times, and I've seen like people online fuss about this when they talk about Jorel as well. Okay. Uh, the way it's spelled means something different, and it's so minute that I don't really understand it completely. All so right. can, you, can you tell yeah, me what's going absolutely. on? Absolutely. So let me ask you this: so you were you you're, you're reading Crisis on Infinite Earths, and you've seen that there was an older Superman in Crisis, and there was the younger Superman, right? Yes, that's correct. All right. The younger Superman from Earth-1, his name was spelled um, Cal, K-A-L, L, like E-L, okay? Mm -hmm. The older Superman that I was referring to was from Earth-2, and his name was spelled not K-A-L-E-L, it was K-A-L-L, with just one letter. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. And that's just how it was written back in the the 30s and 40s. And at some point, someone started in editing, said, okay, well, we're going to start doing EL. And then when they tried to explain it, they said, oh, well, if it's spelt with just an L, that's the uh, Earth 2 version. And if it's spelt with EL, that's the other version. Well, Kara Zor, Z-O-R, you know, dash L is the cousin of the Superman from Earth 2. Kara's Z-O-R-E-L from Earth 1. And the interesting thing is the difference between Kara Zor-El and Kara Zor-El. One calls herself Supergirl. The other one calls herself Power Girl because she wanted to di- she did not want to be in her cousin's shadow. Ah, uh, hmm. And and they are drawn completely, completely different. Whereas, you know, Supergirl wears the Superman outfit with the uh, same colors and the S shield. Power Girl instead does not wear the colors, you know, has her own outfit, does not even have a shield. In fact, has a big round oval right in the middle of her chest. I will say in the 70s and 80s, when she was first created, I'm sure there were several young teenage boys that loved seeing Power Girl and didn't care to see Supergirl. (laughs) So did Power Girl come after Power Man or was... (laughs) No, no, there was no, uh, there was no Power Man. She just wanted to have her own identity. And Mm. that's how, and she existed post Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that is another Supergirl tie-in, which in 1985, the DC editorial edict was Superman needs to be the last son of Krypton. Get rid of all the super pets, get rid of Supergirl, get rid of other Kryptonians, make him an alien, a, a single character again, so they killed off Supergirl. Well, editorial liked Power Girl. So you had to explain, well, how can she no longer be, if this is one Earth that we have now, how can she no longer be Supergirl's cousin? So for 20 years between 1985 and 2005, 
Power Girl's origin changed every three or four years. What? Yep. That is crazy. Because you kept having to explain and create powers for her that were not Kryptonian because, hey, if she's not Superman's cousin anymore, she can't have heat vision. She can't have super breath. She can't, et cetera, and so forth. Well, speaking of Supergirl, about two years, maybe even not that far, after they decided no more Supergirl, what do you think DC decided to do? Hmm. They, I hope they didn't change her into being Supergirl eventually. <laughs> no, they did not change Power Girl into Supergirl. What they did do, which was actually, I think you may, once you hear what I'm about to say, preferred that they do that. Instead, they said, okay, well, we still like the name Supergirl, so, but we don't want another Kryptonian. So let's create another character that idolizes Superman and she's going to make herself look like, oh, guess what? The same way Kara Zor-El used to look. But she's oh, going man, to be a funny. protoplasmic entity called Matrix. But she's going to go by the name Supergirl. That is just weird. Yeah. That is just weird. Matrix falls in love with Lex Luthor and then uh, becomes a Supergirl in her own right. A couple of years after that, Supergirl Matrix saves this kid named Linda Danvers who either tried to commit suicide or was in a car wreck or some something happened and she merges with uh, this human person to become a less powered version and still calling herself Supergirl. That is the that is the version that you probably saw in the Justice League cartoon that wore the shorts and the white t-shirt. Yeah, that's that's the that's that version, the Matrix Linda De- Linda Danvers version. It's just so weird that she has so many iterations, and in a way, her character is much more complicated than Superman's ever oh, absolutely. was. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The worst thing so, that I think DC could have done was say, "Get kill off Supergirl," but yet a year later or two years later, say, "Oh, guess what? We want Supergirl back." So I have a question for okay. you. I just I just Googled Power Girl and just looked at the images on Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, this white leotard type thing uh, that she's wearing is that, that like her normal? Yep, that's where I meant. That's whenever yeah. I, whenever I told you that there were teenage boys in the seventies. It was a different time, obviously. <laughs> right, but you know that that outfit, even from her original, ex, you know. Um, appearance that is how she's looked you know she's had you know i'll just be blunt she's had the the very she's much more voluptuous than supergirl ever has been portrayed yeah, so cause it, you see, it looks like a teenager's uh pipe dream <laughs> right it's it, I can't believe that she's actually drawn like this to be honest yeah it's I probably mean, the most most overly advert uh uh, sexualization of a character that I've seen. And, and that, and, and there is, I mean, even today, that is, well, actually, in the comic today, she had, in the Earth 2 comic that exists today, she actually uses Superman's shield. So they've actually, you know, covered her up a little bit. But even from her first 
appearance uh, back in the 70s, she's had that costume. So that is what she has been known from from day one. Wow, that's interesting. Very and, interesting. And one more thing I'll say on Power Girl, her entire personality is much more in your, well, literally in your face, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> she's, she's, she's very headstrong and doesn't take, you know, doesn't take anything from anybody, which I think is her popularity because she's not just a carbon copy of Supergirl. It reminds me a lot of Captain Marvel. Mm. Uh, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to give you that. I'm so not going to give you that. I try. I know, but I'm, not, I'm sorry. Uh, we need Lee here to disagree with me, but you know, we're not going to get, well, this is DC. We're not going to talk about that horrible, horrible Carol Danvers. You know, I know we may have hit some of these questions, but I want to actually get into Heather's questions, which was first, what happens to her in the rest of her life? And I think that's the part that we've kind of answered, which is it depends on which version of Supergirl you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would think this question is most mostly geared toward the current iteration. Uh, so tell me, what is she doing currently in the comics? Is she even still a character? Yes, uh, she is still a character. And they have her the the rebirth comic version of Supergirl actually reminds me a lot more believe it or not of the tv which version which makes sense because you need to you know tie it in a little bit to the tv version but she's been everything from an adopt you know she's had the adoptive parents she's had you know she's had jobs before pre-crisis but it's mirrored very very closely to clark in many ways she's got the yeah. you know she wears the glasses and just like he does so in the rest of her life i think it's pretty much the same as clark she doesn't have a maintained characters supporting character base only because there have been so many versions and she's been redone and so there's no, there's no Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and Perry White that's dedicated solely to Supergirl only because of the changes. Now, as far as Power Girl, she she has a very solid yeah. history because she's been, even with the changing of her personalities, I mean, of her origin... She's had consistent publication in one form or the other. So, so she is still around at, right now. Who, Power Girl? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Both of them are. Wow. Yep, both of them are. I think that leads into the next question, which is, why do we think that a title character that is a girl or a lady, a woman, like Supergirl or even Batgirl, may not be as popular as other characters. So let me ask you that. Do you think they are as popular? And if not, why, why do you think they're not? You know what? I, I think they can be. And you, the, my thing is, I want to want to see them popular in the right way. You know, again, just back to this image of power girl, how she was drawn kind of makes me say, you know, that image can make her very popular but i don't want that to be the reason she's popular if that makes any sense oh it makes perfect sense uh, 
I want it to be story and you know if, if if the story and the appeal of the character can't draw me in let's don't go down this road where we try to uh do other things to make a character popular you know you can make a character popular by by bringing them into other stories other arcs so uh why they aren't popular right now I don't know. I, I I think Supergirl is on the rise, to be honest. Uh, I think the show has done a lot to make her more noticeable. And, you know, even my little nephew was watching this, uh, watching Supergirl when it was out. And he was very excited to me to talk about it. And we had a good conversation about it. You know, him and my dad, of all people, <laughs> you know, were watching this show. And they, they we talked about it for like 20 minutes. So I think the show that was on CBS it did a lot to actually popularize her as far as Batgirl and She-Hulk. I think those are both characters that we just don't know a lot about. I have to say most of my knowledge of Batgirl came from the nineties cartoon, which I also didn't watch, but eventually got to. And, and She-Hulk, I, I really, until having discussions with you, I really didn't know anything about, I just knew she was a female version of the Hulk and it stopped there. So she always looked interesting from the pictures and, and the actual little bit I got to read. But as far as what type of character she, character she was and, and how she influenced Hulk's world, uh, I really had no clue. Uh, so I don't know what what what's your opinion? What can we do to make these characters more popular or why you feel they're not as popular as it should be? Well, you know, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. Regardless if it's Superman or Superwoman, Supergirl, Superboy, if the story is not good, people are not going to read. And an example of that, that uh, DC brainchild Jeff Johns himself has said, after the New 52, Superboy, the character, had become unrecognizable. They, they took away everything that people liked about the character and then probably wondered, why are sales of the book so bad? Well, you took <laughs> away everything that people liked about the character. You know, it doesn't matter that it was Superboy or Supergirl. Uh, if you take away why I want to read this character, then why do I want to read this character, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it also goes, I think, into why was the character created to begin with? And I'll use Supergirl back, well, predominantly, let me use Batgirl for that this part. Batgirl was a creation that resulted from a book and even congressional hearings that resulted from a book called Seduction of the Innocent. Have you ever heard of that? This is my first time hearing it. Okay. So there was what a, there, there was a uh, man back in the, I think, 50s, early, I think it was in the 50s, that wrote a book entitled Seduction of the Innocent. And he, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was a psychiatrist. And he basically said that comic books as a genre was leading to the downfall of youth in our society. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, so characters like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all of them were, you know, seducing the innocent. And that's where the which, name of the title came from. Which, which is so funny because by today's standards, comics from the 50s were so G-rated. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. 
come you know if you if you went back and you took some of the most tame comics in today's standards and go back and put them in front of the congressional hearings of the 50s <laughs> uh yeah you know very but they used they used wonder woman as an example by saying uh, that she being from a an island of women she must be a lesbian they use batman and robin as a an example that you had a man living with an with a teenage boy and so therefore there there must be some uh, some homosexual something going on there what uh, no was, i'm i'm, I'm really really the, really serious this- was this Congress saying this, or was this well, the, this was, the uh, this psychiatrist? Was, this was this book, The Seduction of the Innocent. So, so well, I mean, was this book meant to just marginalize anything that's in the comic world at the time, or was it actually a concerted effort to try to actually analyze what was going on? Because it seems very one-sided, and, and just the two examples you gave me. All right, well, another example that they used was excessive violence in comics. For instance, there were several, you know, back in the, in those days, there were horror, uh, comics that were out. Not just Western, there were not space, but like horror, and I'm talking about gory horror, uh, comics that that's all they put out. You know, why he wrote the book, maybe, you know, I don't know what his political aspirations were or, or anything like that, but, but this book, it obviously hit a chord. So how does Batgirl factor into all of that? There was something that was created called the Comics Code Authority, and it was comic creators' way of getting around and and staying in business when you had all of these uh, regulations pending. So they said, okay, we're not going to have someone else police us we're going to police ourselves so we're going to be proactive so they created this comics code authority and and it had if you wanted to have this stamp of approval on your comic which if you go back and you look all the way up to i think it was like 2003 four or five books had this seal on them it looked like a stamp that said approved by the comics code authority and it, you had to submit every issue for review before it got that stamp of approval. So if Marvel had 50 books going out in a month, 50 books had to be submitted for approval. Same with DC. A lot of these horror comics, their their publishers went out of business because some of the things that they wanted to do away with, that was how they made money. For instance, if you go back now and you look at someone being shot, you don't see that they're shot off panel now. And even if you see blood, blood is not red in comics anymore. It's a very almost black color. You don't see red blood or people bloodied in comics anymore. Well, let me ask you this. Did this, this, did this stamp of approval come along with a tiered rating system or was everything just approved or not? It was either approved or not. Now, you still could run the risk, you know, in the 70s or 80s, you know, you might get in trouble, you might not, of publishing something without the code of approval. I know back in this, I think it was late 70s, early 80s, in a Green Lantern uh, issue, they wanted Speedy to, who was the Green Arrow sidekick, to be revealed to have a cocaine addiction. Well, the Comics Code Authority didn't approve that. 
so they decided to publish it even without the code sale. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's very interesting because it's not too dissimilar from what the video game uh, rating system is. Uh, you know, again, facing possible uh, legislative uh, restrictions, they formed their own rating group called the ESRB, and they do approve all games, but it's more of a tiered system versus a you're approved or not. You have everything from a, a C, which is early childhood, up to uh, what's the last one? Or adults only yeah, rating. Right. So, so they have a, a bunch of different tiers a game could be in. Every game I know of not, that comes out these days has this stamp. So it's just funny. Is a in this case it was an all or nothing thing. So where does Batgirl fit into that? Yeah, Bat- how, how does Batgirl actually fit into the puzzle? All right, so, so with with all that said, Batgirl came about as a an answer by putting a female character in with the whole Batman Robin, and and they even had a housekeeper that was, I think, Bruce's aunt come to visit for several years. Really? Yeah. So you that had really so, so so you had that as a and. If I'm not mistaken, right before that, they had killed Steve Trevor off in the comics, and he was not part of Wonder Woman's story. Well, right about that time, Steve Trevor comes back from the dead so that it gives Wonder Woman a love interest again that was male so that you could not have the focus on she comes from um, Themyscira or Paradise Island and that may have even been one of the times when Paradise Island was lost and she couldn't find it. Yeah, which this whole discussion is pretty timely because there are things that came out recently uh, trying to say if, is, is Wonder Woman lesbian and all this stuff and I think one of the early writers kind of, kind of chimed in about it but yeah, that stuff has resurfaced actually in the last few months and it's kind of cool that, it, uh, that we're kind of talking about it in this different form here. Yeah, and if you go back and you look at some of the original Wonder Woman stories from the 40s, every single issue, or almost every single issue, ended by a man tying her up and spanking her in some way. What? Yes. I mean, she that was, what? you know, the the whole bondage thing with Wonder Woman in the 40s was like a, a uh, you know, pretty much... That was how she was subdued was by tying her up. And there were several where where she would be spanked or paddled. Was that, that part of the con- congressional hearing as well? I think it was. <laughs> I, I actually think it wow. was. Back to the question, why are they not as popular? I think it goes into why they were created. You know, that's how Supergirl, I mean, that's how Batgirl was created. She-Hulk was created for the purpose of securing the rights of the of a female Hulk, but, but with her, she actually became quite popular in her own right. So tell me, you know, I know we've talked about She-Hulk a little bit, but what, what else do you recall about She-Hulk? Uh, I remember you telling me about a different personalities that she was more of an outgoing, uh, character, uh, meant, uh versus, uh, what Bruce was or David. Bruce. <laughs> but so I, I mean, I don't, I can't recall a lot about her, but, uh, she seemed pretty cool. And, um, yeah, just, just the difference in personality, her embracing her hopeness, so to speak. Right. Uh, I thought it was really cool about her. Yeah. And I think she's going to be much different, uh, in this new Hulk comic than she is in the traditional way we've seen her so far. 
Yeah, I remember you mentioning that since uh, her finding out what happened to her counterpart, uh, we may see a different side of her, which, again, would be pretty interesting. And she is, well, I guess we got Awesome Hulk, so she's not taking over the the Prime Hulk role, I guess. But still, uh, I'm interested in seeing what happens with her. Well, I think, you know, I think she, in a way, is going to be taking over the the Prime Hulk book because hers is not going to be She-Hulk. It's just going to be Hulk. No, no. Oh, really? Adjective. I didn't yeah. know that. No, it's not going to be wow. She-Hulk, not going to be Savage, Sensational, or just She-Hulk. It's just going to be Hulk. Cool. And yeah, I still I think wait. she's going to be gray. I don't, we'll, we'll know that next <laughs> month, but I think she'll be gray. All right, so let's move on. Let's go, go on to the next question, which is, why, what do we think about animated superhero movies or shows compared to the live action movies? Uh, I'll start off on that one. All right. Um, you know, I think there's so much more possibilities with the um, the animated movies. Uh, and I like the live action, don't get me wrong. Uh, though I, I don't watch – well, let me, let me back up for a second. One of the movies I like that came out recently, which I guess is a comic book movie in Japan, but Big Hero 6 came out. And that's like a, a – a, was it? Yeah, Disney movie. And – it was it's really awesome, really awesome. It's not a serious comic book movie at, at all. It's more of a playful kid movie. But still, I think with movies like that, you have so much more possibility of things you can do. Um, as far as like uh, we've had a lot of the animated DC movies that's come out over the years, which I haven't I have not watched a lot of. Just taking it back to the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, when we had the Superman and Batman uh, shows that were on TV. I really loved those at the time. So, I mean, and animated versus live action, I think it's two totally different worlds. Though, I think when it all boils down to it, I would like to see whatever character I like eventually have a live action version, you know, um, just to see them on the big screen. I think they have a little more uh, room to be respected when they're live action versus being just animated. So yeah, I, I, that's my take on it. I love the live action, but I do love the, uh, the animated as well. I think it's just in a different place. I agree. I think with the, you know, if, if this question were being asked to us two, well, not two years, but about 20 years ago, I think it would change the answer. And what I mean by that is, Technology has advanced to such a degree that it is able to create live action movies in a way that are so much more believable and so much more with an ability. And I know that's not actually making much sense, but, but, but there is so much more ability for filmmakers today with the technology available to create stories with live action that was not possible 20 years ago. So as far as comic book back then, you could do so much more in animation because you didn't have to worry about can this even be done and will it even look realistic? I think at the end of the day, today, yes, the exposure helps, but at the end of the day, is the story good? And I think that's that's the catch-all. Yeah, I mean, again, when you look at stuff like, uh, well, like uh, what's the uh, the the Fantastic Four movie that just came out? It wasn't great, but you know, I think even our bad movies 
aren't just they're still they're still good to look. I mean, visually appealing in most cases, but there's very rare cases where you get something that's just bad. And, you know, and, and, and don't say it. OK, so let <laughs> me ask you, let, let, let me ask you a question. So so let's let's say you do take let's say you do have. I'm, all right. So I'm going to give you a scenario here. Let's mm-hmm. say you do have. You know, a story and, 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 and let's say it's going to be a movie and let's make it live action. And let's say that you've got one. Hey, I'll even go to three. You've got three well known characters that you can use. Mm-hmm. Okay. That are almost iconic. And in that, you know, you've got the ability with technology to create fantastic cinematography to tell a great story, is it possible to have all of those ingredients that I just gave you and still make a movie that, for lack of a better term, is nothing but a bloody mess? Yes. Yes. And again, like you just said, it all comes down to execution of the story. And again, yeah, I know you're probably alluding to Batman v Superman. And oh, uh, again, well, uh, oh, uh, again, but you know what? I, that's a very good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that actually fits. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and again, you can think of stuff like Fantastic Four that recently came out. And to me, the worst example, I mean, you know, as bad as you think those two movies may be, the worst example of this in recent memory is like, again, I'll go back to the Dragon Ball movie that came out like probably 10 years, eight years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, that's a beloved anime uh, slash comic series or manga series in Japan. The movie was garbage. I mean, garbage. I actually went to see that in the theaters. It's like the worst movie I've seen in theaters. That's an adaptation adaptation of something that's either a comic or an animated show. And, you know, having that in my base, I've seen stuff that's not been great. But it's been okay, you know. I, you know, even if you look back to like the Fantastic Four movies that came out a few years back, you know, they're they're not great, but they're okay. Right you know? now, those <laughs> I would say were okay. You know, not great, yeah. but okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. It, again, each to each his own. Uh, I again, like you said, the technology has made a lot of this possible. And again, it just comes down to director and story. I mean, when you just when you get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, and if that's not good, the movie's not going to be good. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, one of the last questions before I've got a few just for fun at the end was it, um, it was mentioned that Cartoon Network has released a new show about girl superheroes. And Heather was wondering if, what we th- had any thoughts about that. So let me take that part first. I think it is important to have all ages uh, stories for everyone. And I mean, if you if you watch the um, the the version that she's talking about, you can tell that it is intended <laughs> for a specific audience. Just like Teen Titans, uh, yeah, definitely. is different from Young Justice. You know, Young Justice to me is a little more. Not necessarily adult oriented, but teenagers or young adults are adults, whereas Teen Titans or Tiny Titans or whatever is more cutesy, kidsy kind of fun stuff. So what do you think? 
I mean, each has a place. I'm actually looking at the, uh, and actually you can watch it on the Cartoon Network with no login right now. Uh, ah, there's okay. the first season. So I may catch the episode of that before I go to bed. But there, I, I'm looking at a picture of Harley Quinn, you know, is not the Harley Quinn from the movie. She Correct. has long tights on and so does uh, Wonder Woman. So again, like you just said, as long as you make something that appeals to a certain audience, I think it's a good thing. To, for It would be bad for me to say, oh, why are you making all girls superhero show? Can it be for everybody? But, you know, guys have had versions of everything since the dawn of time. So, I mean, giving an entry point for girls to get interested in these characters and maybe, you know, getting them into the comics that way, I think is a good thing. And, and you know, I I can't say anything bad about that. It, it looks kind of cool. I might check out the first episode. <laughs> all right. So let me ask you this. this let's get into the fun uh, questions before we wrap. If Supergirl went to the Marvel Universe, in your opinion, she would join which team? Oh, Supergirl would death. Are you talking about the uh, the Civil War two? Is oh, a team? Yeah, just you know. We're just talking about teams in general. Teams XB. in general. I could see her on the Ultimates, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I could too. I, or either that or the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely the Avengers. You know, possibly. I could see her standing toe to toe with, you know, being up there with Captain America. You know, she just, she, she just seems like her and Captain America would get along quite well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I, I could see that happening. All right, so let me ask you this: If Jean Grey went to the DC universe, which team would she join? Oh, you're going to have to give me a clue on what teams we have in DC. <laughs> you know, I was sitting here thinking, I don't know, you know, outside of the Justice League, you know, who Jean Grey might would uh, fit in with. Are there many telekinetic heroes on the DC side of things? No. Now that, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, most of them, uh, they don't really have tele, you know, they don't focus as much on people being telepaths and telekinetics as to, uh for them now there are some villains there's a, a villain called simon who is a um you know character that's that i could see you know that's mental and so to speak but i guess my question would be Jean gray old or Jean Jean gray young and if i was going Jean gray young i would say she would be in the teen titans Oh, definitely, definitely, easily. All easily. right, yeah. so uh, two more. Since we did two girls, we'll do two boys. If Miles Morales, Spider-Man, went to the DC Universe, would would he join the Teen Titans? I don't know. Miles seems like more of a loner, as Spider-Mans are, tend to be. Uh, so I, I don't think he would, to be honest. I, I think he would still just be kind of doing his own thing. Which right. is weird. It's weird to me even to see Robin in the Teen Titans, which I know he's a staple of the Teen Titans, but he seems like a loner to well as well to me in a lot of ways. All right, so let me ask you this. I'm going to change this last question just a bit. If Luke Cage went to the DC universe, would he work with Superman, Batman, or the Flash? Oh, Luke Cage. You know what? He he's more of a second tier, so I don't see him providing any assistance to Superman. <laughs> uh, Batman isn't going to want his help, so I can see him working with the Flash. I think they'd make a good team. 
Okay. I can even see him. I can see him working with Wonder Woman, to be honest. <laughs> okay. They both they both are similar in the ability, except he can't fly. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I I give that. I'm going to give you that for interesting. I would be more interested in the scenario you gave, but I could actually see him having to work, not wanting to work, but and, and from the Bruce perspective. But I could see uh, it being interesting teaming him with Batman. Yeah, that might be cool. It might be cool. You know, with something in Gotham, I could see him, you know, in Batman interacting m- more believable than I could say, like you said, with Superman or or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Well, do you have anything that you're working on before we wrap? Uh, only thing I have really is I say check out uh, techpedition.com. That's techpedition.com. And we have a recent uh, podcast that came out. Uh, and we're talking about a wide array of things. And I think if you like this show, you may like it as well. The title of that episode is uh, Infinity Virtual Dollars. Oh, so, cool. So, so we talk about video games as well as shows. We cover the new, the recent uh, season of Hulk Catch Fire, as well as Walking Dead, uh, this current season's premiere. And we talk a lot of Dragon Ball in the episode. So check it out. So, so I'm assuming you're a Walking Dead fan. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. So, so you've got to, uh, so, so I need to listen to that so I can, cause I keep hearing people telling me, why am I not watching Walking Dead? Yeah, man. You waited so long, so yeah. long, man. But, but, but <laughs> I know absolutely nothing about it. So, I mean, so even if I started watching, it would be brand new to me. Here's what we're working on. I'll, you know, we can go ahead and let you know what's coming up in episode 25 and 26. 25 will be about a series called Broken Mirror. Black, that is, Black Mirror. Black Mirror, excuse me. <laughs> okay, so once again, I've said Broken Mirror, Black Mirror, Damn Mirror, whatever. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's the Mirror episode is coming up next on 25. And then on 26, we will be all three back together and talking about the power of the Daleks. So that's what's coming up, two episodes in our future, and we hope that you will be back listening with us. So, Clarence, unless you have anything else, I think the word is we are out of here. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.